0: This is Real Estate Rookie episode 238. So, if you're new and you're just wanting to get started and you want that cash flow, it's not a situation where if you make a mistake and fail, that you could lose your shirt. You know, like obviously nobody wants to lose money, but I'd rather lose a couple thousand than you know a hundred thousand or something like that. But um, again, with Detroit, we're very cash flow heavy. Um, There's a lot of demand and especially in section eight. So I feel like it's a great market for uh, rookies to uh, infiltrate because it's so low risk with the guarantee rents and things like that. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my
1: co-host Tony Robinson.
2: And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey and I wanna start this podcast by shouting out some folks in the rookie audience. Today we have a podcast review from someone with the, the username Owen Warren. And Owen says, total game changer with like three exclamation marks. I started out listening to the OG Bigger Pockets podcast, which gave me a plethora of information, but sometimes so much that it can lead to analysis paralysis. I know we've all been there. While I still enjoy the OG podcast, my focus has shifted more so to the real estate rookie podcast due to the fact that I'm still relatively new to real estate investing and have only completed a handful of deals. So whether you're brand new or have a well-balanced real estate portfolio, I believe Tony and Ashley along with their guests have great content to share with you guys. Thank you all for everything. So man, that's one of the nicest reviews I think we've got in a while. If you haven't yet, please leave us an honest rating review on whatever platform that you're listening to. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more folks we can help. And that's always our goal here. So, Ashley Care, what's up? How you doing today?
1: Good, good. I got a, a child sick from school today. Um, sick or skipping school? Still not sure yet what the consensus <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> Uh. Yeah, um, it's been uh, pretty busy. The end of the year is coming. And we actually have an episode coming up for you guys um, in the next couple of weeks that's going to be about goal setting. So how did Tony and I do on our goals last year? What are our goals going to be for 2023? Now is the time to start thinking about that and kind of putting your action steps and your most important next steps in place.
2: Yeah, it's so, you know, I think a lot of people almost wait too long to start having that discussion. So I'm, I am excited to get into that. Like yesterday, I had like a, an hour and a half long call with my CPA, just kind of like a game planning for next year, right? And we're, we're in October right now. So I think it is helpful to start. Thinking about the next year <laughs> before the next year actually gets here, uh, that way you're you know you're, you're kind of one step ahead of the game. And then we're doing the same thing in our business as well. Like, um, you know, we're we're already now trying to identify what some of the the blockers and the obstacles might be for our, our real estate business next year as well. So for all of our rookies that are listening, if you guys haven't taken some time to start thinking about the the oncoming year and kind of what it looks like for you, you should definitely definitely set aside a day to to kind of start putting that game plan in place.
1: And a great point too with talking to your CPA is even reviewing the past year and see if there's anything you need to do before the end of the year hits. So because you can only write off things uh, in 2022 for this year. So you can't wait until the year is over and then talk to your accountant and be like, oh man, I should have done this differently. Or maybe I should have bought this blah, blah, blah. So
4: If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at Vacasa.com/slash bigger pockets. That's Vacasa.com slash bigger pockets.
2: I just want to share something that I learned in that conversation with my with my CPA. So we, you know, cost segregation is one of the, the big benefits of, of buying real estate. And um I always thought that you could only perform a cost segregation in the year that you purchased the property. So if I buy a property in 2022, I have to complete the cost segregation in 2022. But she corrected me and told me that it's not necessarily about the, like you're not limited to the year that you purchased it. So if I purchased a property in 2022, as long as I put it into service in 2022, I can still get all of the uh, like cost segregation benefits that come along with buying that property in 2022. So for example, at the end of this year, uh, bonus depreciation goes from 100% in the first year to 80% in the first year, and then like the last 20% is spread out over five years, right? So before, if I had like a, I don't know, like $160,000 cost segregation uh, depreciation I was able to use, I could use all of that in one year in 2022 but moving forward I only get 80% of that in the first year and then a decrease every year thereafter. So I was like, man, I got to I got to buy like, you know, I got to do a bunch of cost segregations this year to get all of that benefit. And she's like, "Well, Tony not not necessarily." She's like, "Any property that you put into service in 2022 will still have the ability to use 100% bonus depreciation, even if you do that cost segregation a year from now or two years from now. So that was that was something that was news to me that, that uh, you know, honestly made me made me pretty happy because we put quite a few properties into service this year.
1: Yeah. And to kind of spread it out so that you're not taking it all in one year when maybe you don't even need it. <laughs> so you could, you know, transfer that, do a little the next year and then some the following year too. Yeah. That's really interesting. I didn't know that either, that you could do it later on. Yeah. Well, today we have another special rookie reply format for you guys. We have Ashley Hamilton with us, she is a Detroit investor. You may have seen her on Instagram or the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, she just had her second debut on there. Uh, her first episode, I think, was one of the best performing episodes ever on the OG podcast. So, you guys will have to check it out. But Ashley comes on with us live at BPCon. Yes, that's right. Me and Tony are still giving you guys <laughs> interviews that we did in the basement of the hotel at BPCon. So. We want to bring Ashley on and we're going to talk a little bit about her, but she's also going to walk us through how she invests in properties and as a rookie, what is the best way that you can get started that she thinks of. And she kind of goes through these steps that she implements and thinks that will be beneficial to you guys to help you get started. Uh, Before we bring Ashley on though, we are going to do an actual rookie reply.
2: Uh, So this week's rookie reply comes from Cullen Lewis and Cullen's question is real estate rookie here. My wife and I are really wanting to buy real estate properties, but the market where we live is currently too expensive for us. Is it a bad idea to invest in properties out of state where the housing market is cheaper and more affordable for us? Or would it be better to save more money and just invest in the market we're currently living in? So I'll I'll take a stab at this first, Ashley, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Um, I think a lot of it depends on on what your what your goals are, Cullen. Uh, if your goals are to maximize uh, your your tax benefits and appreciation, then maybe investing in a market that's more expensive might actually be a good thing, right? Because historically, markets that are more expensive, like California, parts of New York, they tend to appreciate more than uh, you know some of the more med- midwestern or more affordable states. So, if the appreciation is a big motivating factor for you, then maybe investing in your own market does make sense. If cash flow is what's most important to you, then guess there might be a benefit to going into a market that's less expensive and can probably give you a better cash on cash return. So I think there are some things to, to balance there. But if you do decide to go out of state Um, First, read David Green's book um, on on out-of-state investing. It's a great, great resource for both new and seasoned investors on how to build the team to invest out-of-state. But second, I think don't just chase the the markets that are super, super inexpensive. you know, because sometimes you can't find yourself in the wrong neighborhood. Like if you don't know that state, you don't know that city, um, you can find yourself with a property that's difficult to manage. And, uh, you know, we'll bring Ashley on here in a second, Ashley Hamilton, and she'll talk a little bit about how she's been able to invest in in Detroit, but it's because she knows that area, right? And and she she knows how to find the right tenants in that market. So I think if you do go into a market that's historically less expensive, you really want to do your homework to make sure you're investing in the the right part of town.
1: Yeah. And I think a great way to find another one of those markets is to look where other people are investing and then do your own research from there because how many markets are there across the US? There's a lot. So look where other people are investing and then go and do your market research from there. Is this, like Tony had said, what is your goal? Is it cash flow? Are these cash flow performing assets? Uh, Are you going to be buying properties that are super old, like on the East Coast. We just had a guest on who was buying, you know, houses in the early 1900s, late 1800s. And those may come with a lot of continuous repairs or updates because they're just such old properties. Or would you rather buy something new and that's more turnkey? So there's a lot of factors to look at when you're analyzing a market. And I think that it's 100% doable to go ahead and invest out of the area that you live in. There's millions of people doing it every day. Go into the bigger pockets forums and just ask people, what is, or you know what, better yet, not what, who is the first person you connected with in a market to start on your team? And it's most likely going to be maybe a real estate agent or a handyman, or a property manager that can help you through the process. So that's going to be a crucial part of it is finding your boots on the ground, too, to build that team for this. Let's bring on um, Ashley Hamilton, though, who is actually going to have a lot to say towards this question, too, Um, and I think we'll provide a lot of valuable information for you guys. Ashley, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here at BPCon. We're super excited to have you. You have one of the most amazing episodes on the Bigger Pockets OG podcast, (laughs) and you were just recently back on again with that podcast. So. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, please tell a little bit about
0: yourself and how you got started in real estate. Absolutely. So my name is Ashley Hamilton from Detroit, Michigan, as if nobody knows, right? Because it's always blasted everywhere. Um, but yeah, so I I really got my start, um, I feel like, in a very common way where a lot of real estate uh professionals or people that want to get started in real estate where they're at, right? So obviously a lot of us don't have a six-figure job or corporate America or a rich family we can borrow money to. So I was one of those people that really had to get in really creative. So I literally started purchasing real estate using my tax return. Um, And I was fortunate enough to be in a market that was more affordable and easy to get into um, where if I took a big risk because I didn't know anything, right? Um, if I did have a loss or make a mistake, it would have been easier to bounce back from because the capital um, requirements were so low. So I chose Detroit as my market and I started using my tax return to purchase properties.
2: That's amazing <laughs> because most people, they get that tax return. It's like, uh, what, what are we buying? What are we shopping for? And instead you use it as a way to, to build your financial future. Um, can you just give us like a quick overview of what your portfolio looks like today?
0: Yes, absolutely. So today I'm super blessed to be uh, a proud owner of 35 Doors. Uh, They're all located in the city of Detroit. But because the capital requirements are so low, I have a ton of deals that I purchase all cash. So um, I was able to have a lot of equity in my properties. And that was when I started to leverage that, that helped me um, almost triple my portfolio in one year. So I'm at 35 doors right now, and cash flow is always my number one. And um, there's no wrong or right way to invest, but you. Some people might invest for appreciation, and but I really wanted the cash flow because I really wanted to spend time with my children. So that's where I'm at right now, and I'm I'm excited. <laughs>
2: So a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of investors, they, they hear Detroit, they think that, you know, is it the right place to invest? Is it the best place to invest? Um, what is, has what is your experience been and why do you think it might be a good place for new investors to get started?
0: Absolutely. So my answer is always yes, it definitely is. So one thing um, I know a lot of people, when they talk bad about Detroit, they was like, oh, you can buy a property there for $5,000. And they kind of played it as if it was a negative. So even if I lived in California, if somebody got on the news and said, you can buy a property for $5,000, like I'm going to instantly like do some research. But yes, it's a great place to invest. We always had the automotive industry. So the big three uh, auto companies, so they're still there. And now there's a lot of tech companies. Coming there. Um, so that's really uh, improving. But the best thing about Detroit is it's still affordable, right? So even now, after the big COVID boom and all that inflation, we're still like, you can still purchase a property all in for about $80,000. And that property will still generate at least thirteen dollars to $1,400 a month in rent. And the reason I feel like it's so important, especially for rookies, is because, like, obviously, there's no rule book and a way to do real estate. So if you're new and you're just wanting to get started and you want that cash flow, it's not a situation where if you make a mistake and fail... That you could lose your shirt, you know, like obviously, nobody wants to lose money, but I'd rather lose a couple thousand than you know a hundred thousand or something like that. But um again, with Detroit, we're very cash flow heavy. Um, there's a lot of demand, and especially in section eight. So I feel like it's a great market for uh, rookies to uh, infiltrate because it's so low risk with the guarantee rents and things like that.
1: So let's walk through that process, kind of. So you're recommending that, you know, a rookie investor start out with, you know, more affordable housing. So these properties, what are kind of the action steps someone can take to identify a market? Maybe they're looking at other markets besides Detroit. What are some of the things that you looked for to find these $80,000 houses that were, you know, generating that amount of rental income?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I do have a four-step process. But before I go into that, I want to talk to the listeners about you know, step away from the business a little bit and think about your customer. I feel like as a business owner, even though real estate is a property, it's still a business and we kinda like go technical. But I always think about my customers. So if you're servicing an affordable market like Detroit or lower income market, I'm thinking about who's gonna live in this property, right? So nine times out of 10, it's gonna be a single mother like I was or a small young family, maybe a husband and wife and one small child. So when I was growing up, my parents parents always said, hey, stay where I can see you, right? Don't be running up and down the block, just stay where I can see you. So when I look for a property, the first thing I do is look at the street view. And as long as the seven adjacent properties to my subject property is good, that's one step off my checklist. And again, my logic behind that is, the kids they're not going to be all the way down the street so if there is a smaller or a a vacant property down the street as long as the surrounding areas is good that's going to be safe for my family and um and they'll have neighbors and things like that so number one when you're looking in Detroit the first thing you want to do is look at the street view and try to um, eliminate properties that have like blighted burnt down or vacant properties directly next to it uh, the next thing is you want to check um, to see what the rental amount is so that's also going to tell you what the neighborhood support so in on average in Detroit even the worst houses you can get about a thousand dollars a month so if I'm looking at the average rents and I do use bigger pockets all the time. They have a great um, rental estimator, and it's really accurate. And it's hard because Detroit normally is not accurate, but I give props to BiggerPockets for that. Um, so if I can look and see that the rent in that area is going to be a $1,000, that's letting me know it's a greater area. And then next, you want to just check and see, um, make sure that there's comps, right? So if you're going to be all in, as long as you can identify one property, um, if you're all in for 80000 as long as you can identify one property that's sold in the last six months for 80000 that would be the fourth step. And then after that, I would just reach out to real estate agents, making sure that property managers is readily available in that area.
1: That's great advice. <laughs> and those four steps you can do in any market. Absolutely. So building out your buy box, building out your criteria. So if your budget is at 80,000, you're going to be looking for that. If you have a certain, you know, rent to price ratio that you want to meet, then you're going to look, do the rents meet what you're purchasing the property for. Then doing the Google street view. That's also a great tip, especially if you're investing out of state and you can't physically go and drive and actually view these neighborhoods to do that. So that's awesome. So after, you know, you've identified the neighborhood you want to be in, what kind of happens next when you're ready to make an offer on a property? And are most of your deals through the MLS?
0: Yeah, so uh, to be honest, I feel like I've been an investor that's capitalized on the people saying what you can't do, right? So you can't find good deals yeah. on the MLS. So uh, during my one explosive year where I purchased 11 properties, um, nine of them were straight off the MLS. So I, I don't know if it was people weren't checking there, the flippers weren't, you know, if that's how. So for sure you can use MLS, but I'm a firm believer in networking, especially with wholesalers. Mm-hmm. And if you are really savvy or if you're really interested in really uh, exponential growth and profit, Really look at properties that need a little work, right? Doesn't have to be a full rehab, but if you're willing to do the work, that's going to force the appreciation and give you a bigger outcome, especially in a city like Detroit. Because if it's um, 90% complete, you know, obviously there's not going to be any savings on the offer. So for sure, that would be a couple of um, things that I would uh, look for as well.
1: Okay, so then what's your process after you've put the offer in and you're under contract? Are you doing inspections on these properties?
0: Yeah. So to be honest, for sure, I always recommend that every investor get an inspection. But I, my philosophy is I buy neighborhoods, right? So just always considering my, my customer. And uh, just also, so if you pick a market, you want to know the statistics. So in Michigan, I know that there's 30,000 voucher holders that don't have a place to live because there's a housing shortage, right? So I know, okay, great. That could be a market I can service with a section eight and Guaranteed rent. So that's why I'm putting my mind in the, the consumer again. And um, so once I buy the property, I start to look at and analyze mark, um, properties similar to that to make sure that I'm doing repairs that's going to, you know, um, make a Section 8 tenant want the property and feel lucky for it. Sorry.
4: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, it might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how
5: much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today.
2: Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. Head over to CorporateDirect.com slash BiggerPockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's CorporateDirect.com slash BiggerPockets.
1: Mm -hmm. So with that Section 8, um, I want to go into this because I don't think we've really talked about this before. Is But what are some of the things that you do to your properties that's attractive for somebody with a voucher or even the housing authority likes to see? Um, because they and kind of walk through because they do an inspection too of the property correct yes absolutely
0: so for sure so to be honest they do do an inspection but it's a really basic inspection like you don't have to have the nicest property they just want to make sure that it's safe but for me I want to stand out in my market so I will I know all the requirements that they ask and you can easily do that by just reaching out to your local agencies but I like to go a step over and beyond because my philosophy is cash flow helps you quit your job and tenant turnovers Um, kills cash flow, right? So my goal is to uh, eliminate tenant turnovers. So I know that if every property in my neighborhood is Section 8 and they just have the basic Formica Home Depot countertops, I might go in there and put a granite in there and I might spend $1,400 more, but I have a tenant that's going to stay three more years, right? And and that's guaranteed rent. So those are some of the things that I do now. And then also the cheapest way, if you guys don't want to commit to the granite, There is these faucets at Home Depot. They're literally $60. You can also get them on Amazon and literally when you turn them on it lights up and just I I run all the kids when I'm doing a showing to the bathroom and show them that and that $60 faucet has literally made so many Section 8 people pick my properties over other and it's not even that expensive so when you think always think of the consumer mind. and me being someone that was on Section 8 when I was younger and I saw how people treated me and my family and we just we had the basic minimum we were never excited to show people our homes I really want my tenants, whether it's Section 8 or not, to be excited to show people their homes. And again, that's going to make them want to stay longer and keeping my cash flow alive, right? <laughs> so that's just some philosophies. And a quick cheap tip, like I said, it doesn't have to be the granite and $1,400. It can be a $60 faucet um, that you can put in there that really make an impact and really help you, you know, re- your rentals um occupied. <laughs>
2: So Ashley, you talked a little bit about your experience as someone who who lived in in subsidized housing and and some of the, I guess like stigma or maybe like the the mindset that landlords had about their tenants. And I, I think that is something that ha- happens for a lot of new investors is that there is a stigma around investing in Section Eight or in uh, lower income neighborhoods have you found any of those like misconceptions to be true or those ideas to be true or like maybe what challenges have you seen and how have you overcome those?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I haven't found any of those to be true because I truly believe that no matter if you make a hundred thousand a year, a hundred million or 10000 a year, because I've probably been, you know, a little bit of both of those, um, you're still human, right? So um, at the end of the day, a person like I've had people that work at making 100000 a year at a factory that won't pay me rent at all. So it's really the judgment of character and just giving people the benefit of the doubt. So for sure, even if you're having Section 8, a lot of landlords, they'll skim on their um, their criteria or their screening process, because they're thinking it's the guaranteed rent, and they just overlooked that there was already red flag. So now, when they get the tenant, they're like, "Oh, these tenants are bad. All Section Eight is bad." But no, you didn't do your proper screening because you just automatically assumed. Now, that that would have just happened regardless if it was a government um, assistant or a regular paying. So it's definitely important to do screening no matter where your your tenant is coming from. And uh, just some of my obstacles again is just showing that my prospects that hey. I'm human. I've been there before I think that really resonates with them and let them like support me more and kind of remove me from the big oh evil landlord I guess like some people would think of it uh, because they know I've been there before and things like that so that's really helped me but again I feel like just kind of removing the business like straight and narrow and you know being understanding and say hey listen I know you're a single mother but don't worry if you stay here three or four years I have connections with the great realtor and maybe I can refer you to a home buying program right so letting them know that hey as long as the communication is good, I'm here to help you. Um, that really has helped me in my journey as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of like an unfair characterization to say just because someone makes less money that they're less of a qualified person person to rent your property right yes. like in a lot of times someone on on a voucher program section eight or otherwise they might be your best tenants because they know that there's a long line of people waiting behind them to get that unit right mm-hmm. so it's like if i know if i disrespect this place or if i'm not a good tenant and i lose this voucher where am i going to go so they're almost incentivized to be your best tenants because of the the value that comes along with that voucher program
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree. And they stay longer too, right. typically because, and especially if it's a nice place where they're just bragging to their whole family, like they, they never want to leave. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like also what I've noticed is the nicer I make my rentals and the, the care that I show, uh, the tenants reciprocate that mm-hmm. as well. Like, I mean, some of my tenants have like better grass than me. They're like hiring <laughs> companies and I'm like, wow. But it's, they saw the care and, you know, respect that I put into the property and they see me grinding and, you know, in the business and um, they they reciprocate that with the
2: property. You, you talked a little bit about your screening process. Can you elaborate on what that looks like?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, and it's just is based off experience. Obviously, every market is a little different, but early on what I would get the people that I worked at the big three in the automotive that I just thought, oh, they're so successful. And they will come in and they were the worst payers, right? So I don't always... Um just shoot for like the income um, situation so my number one criteria is previous rental history I feel like if you had if you've been renting a property for five years and you move into my properties chances are you're going to continue to do right so if you don't have that rental history that's when I kind of um look deeper into your credit to try to build up that see how your payment history is but my number one is previous rental history obviously you want to make sure they can afford it because you'll be doing them a disservice just as much as yourself if they're every dime they get has to go to rent. So I also make sure that they um the rent income their income is three times the rent amount. And then also I really don't like people that had evictions in the last three years. So that's typically my biggest uh, criteria. So no evictions in the last three years must make three times the rent and income and have previous rental history. Now, if it's a Section 8 tenant, then the income aspect, um, it'll just be three times whatever your allotment is. So some people, their rent might be 1600 but they're only paying 300 So as long as they make $900 a month, then that would be a good uh, candidate. But, um, if you all can notice, I didn't really say credit. Um, and again, that's obviously if you don't have rental history, then I look at the credit, but I do realize that even though credit is good, but if these people had a 700 credit score, a perfect employment history, like they'll probably be buying a house, right? They wouldn't be looking. So I always wanted to be a little bit lenient on people who didn't have the best credit. Um, but as long as they have, um, demonstrated positive pay history with their previous landlords, that's the biggest, um, referral I can get.
1: What kind of software are you using, or if any, to um, manage these properties?
0: Yeah. So if I told you guys like what I do, you all would think I'm a crazy person. (laughs) I'm definitely blessed. Um, I'm hoping to be able to use software and stuff, but it slows me down. So Mm -hmm. to be honest, I've been running my businesses on spreadsheets. uh, But for the last six months, I have been using Buildium, Mm -hmm. the property management software. And I'm, and I'm I'm gonna sit here and say it live publicly. <laughs> like, don't use spreadsheets, like just invest. Like, I'm just so, but it took so much time to set it up. I'm not gonna lie. It did take like three weeks of me really getting in there. But now that it's going, it's yeah. literally the best thing. But you can if it's just one or two units, you can do it on spreadsheets. But I highly recommend you using a property management software. Yeah, um, it, mm-hmm. I was in the same boat too. Like yeah. with anything
1: really my business is I waited too long to implement it. Yeah. And do it now while you're a rookie investor and put yes. it in place and and build your systems up you can change them as you move along but starting from the beginning instead of when you have how many doors do you have now <laughs>
0: 35 yeah yes. trying to yes.
1: onboard 35 <laughs> units <laughs> does take a long time and it's time consuming
0: so yes for sure so mm-hmm. what
1: last piece of advice do you have for us for rookie investors what would be your number one thing
0: Okay, and I know it's maybe sound cliche or maybe something that you guys would never thought, but to be honest, it's really getting crystal clear on what you want. And I can't say that enough, and I know it seems like you know easy, but it's really important because I'll get people that call me up and say, hey, I wanna be an investor, I wanna quit my job in three years, so show me how to flip properties. And that right there says, you're clearly not clear on what you want because even though I love flipping, flipping is not a means to quit your job. Right, because you are using that forty thousand a profit, which really turns into thirty once you have to pay Uncle Sam that everybody forgets mm-hmm. about. Um, so that profit, you're going to use that to sustain your life. So. Um. Just really getting crystal clear. Now, maybe you do want to be a flipper and that's totally fine because you'll get the experience. But if you want to quit your job and get you're gonna to want to look for cash flow. So I feel like that's the number one thing is getting crystal clear on what you want because we a lot of us think like, oh, we want a hundred doors or we want, you know, 20 units. Um, but if that's not your goal, your goal is just to quit your job and have a better cash flow, then that's probably what you want to go after. Ashley, thank
1: you so much for joining us. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more? information about you.
0: Absolutely. So um, they can reach me on Instagram at Detroit underscore investor. I share tips and show a lot of my rehabs right there and truly just here to help and give back. I've been so grateful for the Bigger Packets family and literally uh, just this whole community. I'm so passionate about giving back because you can do this, guys. It doesn't have to be complicated. It really is simple. You just want to figure out what you really want and find people that are doing it. And Shoot them and DM, right? Instagram is like so good or just social media in general because you have opportunities to DM and email your mentors and people that you might, you know, want to seek guidance from. So Instagram is definitely the best place. Detroit underscore investor.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us live from BP Con. I'm Ashley at Wealthform Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back on Wednesday with a guest.
0: Yeah.